Good morning. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would take us back to that day in Nazareth this morning. And as we hear those words of Christ, Father, we pray you would speak afresh to us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. First time I've been up here, it's rather high, this isn't it? <laughs> um, a memorable day. Have you got, had memorable days? Jill and I, many years ago, went to spring harvest. Sorry, Graham, you've probably heard this joke already. Um, and in the evenings, they used to have sort of um, fairly uh, after-hour sort of sessions, and people would share a bit of their faith journey, might be a bit of humour. And one particular evening, this guy was saying about how one particular day, a very memorable day, he looked across the road, and on the other side of the road, he saw the girl he loved, the girl he was going to marry. And she looked at him, and he looked at her, and he said something electric passed between them. And we thought, fantastic. He then sported by saying it was an electric milk float. <laughs> but there we are, a memorable day. We're going to look at this day in Nazareth, the day of anticipation, proclamation, rejection, and then application to a day in Surbiton in 20. 22. So, first slide, please. It's there already. Thank you. A day of anticipation. Jesus had come from Nazareth, and it says in verse 14 that the people were full of praise for him. We read in the other Gospels some of the things that he'd been doing in Galilee, teaching, preaching the good news, healing, disease and sickness. And now he'd come back to Nazareth, his hometown, as a teacher, as a miracle worker, as a man who was attracting great crowds. Why did he come? Had he come, the, perhaps the people in the synagogue, has he come to say thank you? To thank us for all we've done for him over the years? Has he come to say how pleased he is to be home? Our local hero returns. So on the Sabbath day, he comes into the synagogue. Someone reads a passage from the Torah, from the law. And then Jesus, almost as a guest teacher, is invited to read from the prophets. The next slide, please. So we move from anticipation, a certain air of excitement perhaps, to a day of proclamation. So he stands, opens the scroll, and we're not sure if it was his choice to read this passage or whether it's a selective passage for that day. But he reads from Isaiah 61. The next slide, please. This is the proclamation. A couple of notes before we start looking at the actual wording. It's interesting in verse 21, when he talks about me here, the Spirit of the Lord on me, he says, that me is me. I am the Lord's anointed one. Anointed one, that's in Hebrew, that's the word Messiah. The anointed one in Greek is the Christ. So here he's saying, I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. Talks there at the end about proclaiming the year of the Lord's favour. It could be, this is a reference back to what they used to call the year of Jubilee a year of new beginnings, 
a year every 50 years when slaves were freed, debts were cleared, people returned to their homeland, everything went back to as it should be, a year of new beginnings. So perhaps Jesus is almost saying very much here that this is the year of the Lord's favour. This is a new chapter. So, a few thoughts on these amazing words. Firstly, it's the message of an anointed one. Anointing normally signifies an act of God on somebody's life, a separation to God, perhaps a signifying of a, a quipping for God. And often this was done by laying, putting oil and laying hands on a new king. In Jesus' case, the anointing was done by the Holy Spirit. Martin has pinched some of my notes here. We read in uh, 3.32. Temptation, he was full of the Holy Spirit. His baptism, the Spirit descended on him. And here at the beginning of chapter 4, he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. Anointed by the Holy Spirit. It's the message of anointed one. It's the message of a sent one. Remember what the angel said to the shepherds? A saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, sent by God. A sent one. And it's a message to be preached and proclaimed. It's interesting that Luke doesn't go into great detail of what happened in Galilee. He goes straight to this. This he considers as perhaps the most important thing that he wants Theophilus, who he's writing to, to understand why the message, the manifesto almost of Christ. Something new was happening. This was a new manifesto. So this manifesto, is he just talking, is this just a social manifesto? He's concerned for the poor, for the prisoners, for the blind, for the oppressed? The suffering? Or is it a spiritual manifesto to bring good news to the spiritually poor, to the spiritually bound, the spiritually blind, the spiritually oppressed? Theologians different, differ. Some say it's social, some say it's spiritual. I don't think it's an either or. I think it's both. Christ is concerned for the spiritual state of man and concern for the suffering. So let's look at these life-changing words, powerful words. We thought of Christ being called the Anointed One. His other name, of course, given to Mary and Joseph, was Jesus. Jesus saves. So what does this anointed Saviour say here? Why does he use... Why did Isaiah, why does Jesus? What are the significance of these four types of people? Mm -hmm. It comes to save us from our sins. And I just wonder if these are pictures of what sin does. The poor. Sin impoverishes life. Imprisoned. Sin binds us in life. Blind. Sin darkens our life. 
oppressed. The Greek word there, oppressed, could be translated broken in pieces. Sin breaks life. All those pictures are almost pictures of separation. But this is good news. Good news to the poor. Freedom to the prisoners. Sight to the blind. Set the broken, the oppressed free. Pictures of separation. Jesus is saying, I've come to break that barrier down. He's come to transform life. He's come to take away that barrier of sin, to take away the penalty of sin by giving himself for us. Come to break the power of sin by sending his Holy Spirit to live in us. So that's what he says. He sits down. Everyone's quiet. Every's eyes fixed on him. The scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Read it again. The spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Sent me to proclaim freedom. Recovery of sight for the blind. Set the oppressed free. That's his manifesto. Unlike manifestos from conservative parties and Tory parties, uh, Labour parties, Liberal Democrats, he doesn't say how he's going to do it. He just says, that's what I'm going to do. We'll think about that a bit later on. Interesting. Very short sermon. Not many some say that. Very, very short sermon. Barely a few words. He sits down. Everyone's looking at him. Next slide, please. So we move from proclamation to rejection. Sorry. Thank you. Okay. Don't want you falling asleep, dear. <laughs> Can everybody hear? That you won't be able to tell me in a moment. We move to rejection. So they were listening. It says they were actually I spoke well. You spoke well, Jesus. They were amazed. Really gracious words. And I thought that might be the modern equivalent of nice sermon vicar, really. But then they saw, but this is Joseph's son. He's saying he's the anointed one. He's saying he's the Messiah, but this is Joseph's son. And Jesus almost seems to sense their thinking. They want to see the miracles. They've heard that he's done in Capernaum. But he's not the Messiah. Matthew talks about the people of Nazareth as not that they lacked faith as he talked about this incident. They were refusing to believe what he was saying. Fantastic words, and I've come to fulfill it, but you're Joseph's son. You made coffee tables for me. And so Jesus refers them to two stories in the Old Testament to Elijah and Elisha. A period when Israel was in a pretty bad mess. They'd almost turned their back 
on the God whose heart was for them. And so in the period of Elijah, firstly, he goes away out of Israel and he meets a lady who's suffering. There's a drought and she's just about to have her last meal and her, she and her son are going to make a, a cake, going to make a loaf of bread. They've got oil and flour just for that one meal and then they're going to die. Elijah meets her. And God says through Elijah, you will have flour and supply of oil until the Lord ends the drought. Second story, army leader in Syria, against another Gentile outside of Israel. And through Elisha, the prophet, this man comes to, to Elisha. And Elisha says to him, go and dip in the Jordan seven times. And your leprosy that is covering your body, is killing you, will be made clean. You'll be restored. So two people, two tragic situations that God speaks into their lives. In the case of the widow, the flour and the oil is supplied. In the case of the leper, the body is restored, is made clean. And I just wanted to look at two verses, really quite exciting verses. 1 Kings 17.15, don't look it up, but it says, The widow did as Elijah told her. <coughs> 2 Kings 5.14, He, Naaman the soldier, went and dipped himself as the man of God had told him. Non-Jews, not living in Israel, hear God and act on what God says. Religious people in Nazareth, men of God, hear what God, the appointed Messiah, says and don't believe it. And the reaction when these guys hear it, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard him. How dare Joseph's son say that we're, we're not right, we're not in the best place. We're God's people, not the Gentiles. And so they, pick, they grab him, take him through to the hill, the hill where they throw people off and then possibly stone them or possibly just throw them off. Joseph's son, they knew him, but he really annoyed them. How dare he say these things? And we see they wanted a miracle. Here's the miracle, angry crowd, and he walks straight through and goes on his way. Amazing reaction, isn't it? The message of the Messiah, the anointed saviour, is, is rejected. Okay, application, proclamation, rejection. <coughs> Next slide, please. Oh, I didn't realize that was, oh, sorry, yeah, so they were angry, angry enough to kill him, sorry. Next slide, sorry. John's very clever with these slides, isn't he? Look at that, fantastic. We've moved from Nazareth to Surbiton. We've moved to 2022. 
How do we apply this message? Three things I've thought of. First one, please. It's a message to be proclaimed. Jesus said it in, 20, in the first century. We do it two millennia later. Because the world is still separated from God by sin. Sin is still blinding people. Sin is bringing poverty into their lives. Sin is bringing control over them. You might not always realise it, but that message is true. That's what God says, what the anointed Saviour says. So let's, a couple of things. Firstly, pray. Pray for those who proclaim that message to a world that perhaps doesn't particularly want to believe. It's a message that is on God's heart, message that Jesus said in that first day of ministry in Nazareth. It's good news. It's good news. News of freedom, of sight, of release. So let's pray for those who proclaim that message. Pray for John and Neil, Emmanuel. Pray for other people that you know. And perhaps pray for ourselves by our lives and our words. We're proclaiming that message. It's a message to be proclaimed to an unbelieving world. But I think it's also a message to be proclaimed to us. Because it was written by Isaiah to the people of God. And perhaps more uncomfortably, we think, well, do I want to hear this message? I hope we do. But perhaps Jesus says to us this morning about the poor. How rich is the quality of our relationship with Jesus Christ? He talks to the imprisoned. How much are our lives bound up by sinful habits, sinful thoughts, sinful directions, selfishness? The blind. How much do we see the wonder of Christ? The oppressed, the broken. Do we feel broken and needing restoration? <coughs> I thought, well, yeah, all that applies to me, really. And this is good news. This is good news. Jesus says he's got good news for people like that. He's got good news for me. He's got new, good news for you, if, that, if you qualify. And I was quite encouraged that you think of Paul, you think what a great guy he was. Walked very closely with God. And he says, who will rescue me from this body? He went through all that himself. He knew poverty. He knew oppression of sin. He knew darkness. He knew brokenness. Who will rescue me? Thanks be to God through Christ. So it's a message for all in 2022. For those folk that we know who don't know him. And for us that do. It's quite interesting, this manifesto. He never says how. He just says, this is the message. How does he do it? We've called this morning's talk the fulfillment, that Jesus comes to fulfill the mission of God, basically. 
And yet this mission is really fulfilled a couple of years later. Because Jesus doesn't talk here as the anointed saviour, how? He just says, this is what I'm going to do. And now just for a few minutes we're going to think about how. With, if I could ask the band to come up, please, the band, Emma, Emma and the singers. Just those two other points, I won't label them, if you can put them both up for us. We can expect sometimes to be rejected. And I love that thought at the end of the story, that Jesus went through the crowd and on his way. Persevere, guys. Keep going with Christ. Sometimes it's a battle, but persevere. But let's think about the how. How does Christ break the penalty of sin? How does Christ break the power of sin? And it's through the cross. So we're going to sing a great song of worship about the cross. It, sing, it showed, talks of another significant day in the life of Jesus, his, his death day, the, sac the sacrificial death of the anointed saviour. So let's be quiet for a minute. Let's think of the power of the cross. Let's pray for folk, perhaps this morning here, who've never accepted Christ. And perhaps he says to you, come to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoner, sight to the blind, freedom for the oppressed. Perhaps he's saying to us as well, come back to the cross. before him, if we feel bound, if we feel in the dark, if we feel oppressed. Father, we come to you this morning and thank you. Thank you for that day in Nazareth when Jesus outlined why he was coming. And now, Lord, as we think about how he achieved it as we sing this song, Father, warm our hearts afresh to see the power of the cross. Lord, you know us. You know where we are with you. Whether we're close to you, far away. Father, whether we love you or whether we're not even sure about you. Father, take us back to that cross. Father, if we need to be broken, break us. If we need to see you afresh, Lord, show us yourself. Oh, Father, just give us a new vision today. It might be a memorable day as we come and see the power of the cross. We pray in Jesus' name.